Hello and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm your host, journalist Holly Rubenstein, and here each week I'll be speaking to a very special guest about the seven chapters in their life's travel diaries. From their earliest childhood travel memory and the first place they fell in love with, to their hidden gem and what's at the top of their travel bucket list. We'll be uncovering their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. So after a fantastic destination special mini-series which transported us to Singapore, New Zealand and the Bahamas, we are kicking off Season 7's Celebrity Interviews today. A full season of wanderlust-inducing conversation is coming your way. And today's guest is one of the UK's most loved chefs, Gennaro Contaldo. A key player in bringing his native Italian cuisine to British shores over recent decades, Gennaro's written over a dozen best-selling Italian cookbooks and is the mentor to his protege, Jamie Oliver, who credits Gennaro with teaching him everything he knows about Italian cooking. And Gennaro calls him his sixth child. You'll have seen him on numerous TV shows with Jamie, on Saturday Kitchen and on Two Greedy Italians with the late, great Antonio Carluccio. This episode is a real love letter to Gennaro's homeland of Italy, bringing to life with such passion destinations like the Amalfi Coast, Puglia, Sicily and the Aeolian Islands. So fasten your seatbelts, let's get started. Gennaro Contaldo, welcome to The Travel Diaries. It is amazing to be sitting in front of you. How are you? Very well indeed. Thank you. Such a place. I'm so excited as well. Oh, I've been so excited to see you too because I know how much travel means to you. I mean, Mm. you're a man of the world. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I do love travel, yes, in many parts of the world is because the world is so beautiful with just so many fantastic people. You know what a lovely city and town, a little village, then I want to meet them all. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's such a lovely quality. I feel that's a very um Italian quality, that kind of warmth and uh, curiosity. Yes. Mm. Curiosity. Yes it is indeed. You know, I love the culture, I love the history. You know, all the, oh, I, I love the country, any country I go, it, for me, it's, it isn't a joy. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And, you know, normally we kick off the podcast by going back to the beginning with your earliest childhood travel memory. We will cover that, but our first stop really should be the one of the most beautiful destinations in the world where you were born and you grew up on the Amalfi Coast, the town of Minori, and You've described it like this, which I just thought was so poetic and beautiful, where the sea is your paddling pool, the mountains, your garden, and the village, your playground. I mean, that sounds so idyllic. Uh, They're so nice because uh, it is in my village where I was born uh, in Amalfi Coast. uh, It was beautiful. It still is beautiful. And now at my age, it's more beautiful than I was a small child. Yes, the sea was there. I was born 30 meters by the sea, so I can imagine. Uh, the sea was just there. Yeah. She couldn't even jump out, you know. Of course, the mountains, because we do have a mountains, a quite nice one. It used to be my back garden at the village. It was my playground. It still is and always will be. It's part of my heart. Yeah. 
Yeah. So chapter one then is your earliest childhood travel memory. Did you travel much from your home there? <sighs> My first experience of a traveling when I came to England. Really? Yes. And how old were you? At I came in England, which I was 16. This is a story. And uh, because my sister was in England, and she still live in England, and my father came to see my sister. So I was 16, and I said to myself, well, well I didn't say to myself, 16, I said, right, said, I'm going to England because my sister wanted to see me. My fatty day, I feel safe. Remember, 16 is still a young boy. Very, yeah. Never traveled before. And that journey, you know, get the pass to Salerno, catch the train to Rome, wait another train to take me in France through the Alps. You know, that, that was so exciting. Yeah. It, it, it was incredible because... Uh, I had a little couchette, little little beds where there was few people asleep. I believe it about four or five or six, mm -hmm. and everyone comes from Italy with the little bags and stuff. Did you want to be the salami? Did you want to be the bread? I had some stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, my mama. She put them on her back. Excited, then wake up in the middle of the night, plus those halps, plus those mountainous Switzerland. I could see the white snow and the train is slowly slowly go around and those yellow lights i never saw those yellow lights i don't know what those yellow light and nice and warm and travel through the night through that snow the mountains and then you reach france in the morning you know the language bonjour 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 and then you have to change another train and then you go down and then you catch the coast of Right, I believe it was Calais. Yes, it was Calais. Mm -hmm. they, and then the journey to get on the boat with your suitcase, try to help other people as well. It's, it's, it was magical. It was really magical. Uh, that, was a, that was an experience. Yeah. That is the first time when I came in England. Yeah. But there was something not very nice, but still it was exciting. When I reached Dover, mm -hmm. I had to go through the immigrations. Mm -hmm. They looked at me. <laughs> I said, what you do in England? I had a letter from my sister. Then I go see my sister. I said, my father is here on holiday. But I said, no. So I had to stay one night on a boat, on a ferry. Uh. They gave me an address, the Italian embassy in Lille. I had five pounds in my pocket because I had everything in England. But yeah. I said, right, the day after, I informed my sister, they let me talk to my sister, and my father as well, he was there. You know, that was not really nice. No, I remember when, when I, I remember, I remember they gave me a phone to speak to my sister with the numbers. Yeah. And I was so excited as well to hold the phone because we didn't have the phone. And I remember that phone was red color. My impression to look at a phone with a red color. And uh, she tried to speak to the people uh, nowhere. So they gave me this address and I went back to Cali. And I, for my father, was coming to Cali to pick me up. Remember 16? 
in my time, I was already a grown-up, but also a child. Mm. And I can see the boat comes in, and I was look every single person come down. And my father was not there. Poor man, he tried hard to get in Calais. So I said, okay, five pounds, I had some other little change with me. So I went inside and shot. The first thing I bought a massive loaf of bread, few apples. I go inside the train. I find myself in Lille. So I didn't know what to do. It was late, so I slept with my suitcase on the bench. And first thing in the morning, where's the embassy? I had the address, where's the embassy? Couldn't find the embassy, where? So as good Italian... <laughs> as a cheeky person, but at the same time, I was exciting as well. It, it was not just, a, it was an adventure. You know, traveling, I'm in France, I was in England, I got inside the boat, I traveled with a train, whether with the train slowly along, you can see everything. Instead of going with a plane to one part or the other, you don't see anything. And I got inside the cab. I said, I'd like to go in the Italian embassy. So I knock on the door of the embassy, can you imagine, those days, it was like that. I, I think it was a miracle that this lady she opened up, an Italian said, "See, si, dimmi." I said, uh, "I, I said, uh, I don't have the money to pay the taxi, the cabs. I come from the stations." Without any word, she went in, she went out, paid the taxi, and she took me in. I remember I was downstairs, and they said, "What's happened to you?" I said, they're sending me back from England. Oh, I said, okay, don't worry. I said, the council, it will come down. So he came down. I remember it was early in breakfast. And he said to me, where do you come from? I think they already told him. He said, oh, I come from a small place in Italy. I don't know if you know it. Where? In Italian, dove? I said, I come from a place called Minori, without the city, Amalfi Coast. Ah, Minori, Amalfi Coast, near Amalfi. Oh, fantastic. He said, ah, you come from there. I know the mayor of Minori. <laughs> oh, my goodness me, I said, yeah. Oh, did you have breakfast? I said, I had nothing to eat. Actually, that particular evening in Lille, I was starving a little bit, but I had bread and the apple. But there was this man with the fish and chips, lots of chips in the lily. And I looked at him and he said, would you like some? So I took a few chips. This is, so I had a breakfast, you know, a yeah. croissant or something like that. And, uh, and he said, yeah, he said, what do you want to do? You want to stay in France? I was 16. I said, uh, I want to go back to see my mom. I want to go home. Uh, he said, right. He said, okay. We're going to provide for you to go home. It was very nice. Asked him some questions. And he asked the lady, and there was somebody else, it was early in the morning, to give me special susiduo. It means little extra money. Yeah. So they gave me the money, and they gave me a ticket, where to buy a ticket, and uh, stayed half day in the embassy, but he was busy, moved said goodbye to everyone. It took me back to the station. And off I went. I went to do the lovely journey back again. Again, through the Alps again. Look at the snow again. I didn't have couchette to sleep. You know, I looked through, through the winter there because there was a corridor. And I never forget when I arrived in Italy, I arrived in Turin. Mm. 
mm-hmm. you know, buongiorno, all these beautiful things, you know, the smell of the coffee. In those days, you don't go inside a bar. There was somebody with a trolley, Coca-Cola, aranciata, limonata, caffè, cappuccino, brioche, panini, imbottiti. So I come out and said, I'm going to spend it. At least a day here. And I got all the information to go back. I sit inside the, uh, inside the bar. I had the money. And I asked the waiter to bring me nice panini with mozzarella, salami, you know, last bottle of water and a cappuccino. And I finished the whole I was there. And then I went to look around and I really enjoyed And then again, I did the journey all the way to south of Italy. Then I took to Rome, changed Rome, Salerno, caught the bus and arrived in Minori. I was all like that five days. My mom, she informed all the police. Yeah, oh, I, wow. I stayed at five days. Goodness In those me. days, you want one day, or you need two days and one night to, to reach England. So, yeah. so I had to do the same journey back, but I stayed an extra day, you know, through the embassy. So, so. And as soon as I come down, because we had a shop there, Minori, I come off with a suitcase and he stopped in Minori. And by pure chance, was my mother at the bus stop because she had to go in Salerno catch another bus. <gasps> she can't wait. Oh, God, what emotions. Oh, God. And that is the first time I had a journey. What is, what a what a in uh, in first experience what a first taste of travel, because I mean it's kind of the highs and the lows. But it seems as though that you were kind of experiencing it from a very positive point of view. Some people could have been very very disgruntled at that magical mystery tour that you went on. It is about you know when somebody's sixteen, you know. But that was a journey. That was an excitement. That was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. All those lovely people, these lovely people that can hear me, you know, do use a train. It's good. Mm. You, you can know, you see. Really slow travel. So you see, you yeah. can see where you're going. Yeah. With the train is fantastic. Uh, with the plane is fantastic. Sorry. But with the train, you can actually see, you know, hire a couchette to sleep or not. Get that that journey through the Alps or wherever you're going around, that you feel stop on those beautiful town and city, wherever you're going there, stay a little bit, look around. It's so wonderful. It's so beautiful. It's so marvelous. There's something also very romantic about it is indeed, travel indeed. on a train. You can see. Yeah. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels easier even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. So tell me about the food culture when you were growing up. What was, um, yeah, what was the food culture like in, in your town? Well, the very, the food culture in uh, my hometown, the Amalfi Coast, it was it's big. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, we always talking about food. Yeah. You know, you can't, we lived with very healthy food. We, they're still doing that because everything was in season. Yes. You don't have to go in the supermarket. There was no supermarket, you know. And even at those supermarkets, there were some in a big town like Salerno. Uh, there was more selling more clothes than anything else. It was all under visual shop. They, they, we had about Three butcher, three yeah, three or four butcher, which I know everyone, and we had about four green grocer. Then almost all, every green grocer that bring all exactly the same, like the other one, the other one. And price wise, it was all the same. And plus, you have what we call them a contadino, the farmer. Whatever he used to growing, it used to bring down to the green grocer, sell the green grocer, the green grocer used to sell to us. Mm. And so, you know, people make wine, you know, they used to give, used to give wine away. Mm. <laughs> you know, olive oil as well. Olive oil with the respect, it could have been a little bit expensive because I don't think lots and lots of people understand what is involved to, for the olive oil, you know, the things and then uh, then if you have uh, 30 kilograms of olive on a tree, you will get a 30 bottle of olive oil. Instead, you get one, one and a half. Yeah. And the rest, you know, but very, very important. It was, but also, we all knew, one, you know, with my friend and the family, what did actually they used to eat, you know. Would you, you know, 12 o'clock, you can hear the bell from the church, bang, bang, boom. Everyone, you know, go home to eat. Mm. And while you walk into the street, because it's a small, small street where I come from, you can hear pots and plates, you know, through the, 
through the village, you can hear the smell, you know, the lovely aroma of a tomato, you know, or whatever they roasted it. Uh, because also used to do barbecue outside the balcony because it's not allowed to have inside the house. Uh, and my my granddad's house instead we used to have, which I have them in England as well, used to have a, what we call a, a wood burner. Yeah. Or, or charcoal burner, you know, a stove, which, which was nice. Those artichokes, the seasonal artichokes, always Ooh. roasting. You have to get done with your head like that because the smoke. Uh. <laughs> if you put your head up, you can <laughs> feel full of smoke. But the, the beautiful smell of the fresh vegetable and the fish was incredible. It was the culture of food. It was important. It was really, really good. And everyone, actually, one way or the other, and you see Tim Wells. Yeah, uh, well, because that was there. Yeah. That was seasonal, but then you know, if you ask me, do you have a fridge? A fridge, <laughs> little cage, really, <laughs> where <laughs> you put stuff inside, you know. But everything's on uh, my house. Always a smell of, of cheese hanging up <laughs> and the salami everywhere. But you don't. I only realized this is was so beautiful. Yeah, Big, when when I grown up. When I actually I left my home. Yeah. In those days, when I used to look at my granddad with those lovely cheese hanging up, oh, especially my father, he used to preserve all the anchovies so fresh, and after a little while, the anchovies. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it, it was, but we used to have a wood fired oven, which yeah. was late once a, a week, you know. I was, um, my mother used to, uh, my mother was always, and she used to be in the kitchen. My father always, Commandante, you know, mm. if oh, nobody can cook better than me, my mother used to look at him, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end, she moved out of stuff and she finished off that way. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was their light and they make lovely bread, you know. Once a week, we used to make a bread because it was kind of a culture. Yeah. My, my uncle Afonso in Minori, a baker, he used to uh-huh. bake an incredible bread. Every single day for the village, also there was three bakery as well, and his bread it was marvelous. And then I used to go around and helping him. Uh, so, was there was it him? Was there someone else that kind of gave you that inspiration to go into food? Was there a moment that that made you realize this was going to be your path? My father gave me great inspirations because he always cooked, and I can never match his tasting especially mm. when he made those beautiful slow cooked octopus which i'm still doing myself lovely fish and all the roasting he used to do the flavor but i think it was a uh, everybody inspire you because we're talking about food yeah first thing you get up in the so morning and that's you because it. you're there two thousand peoples yeah you know God knows how many children. We used to be on the beach. You see the fishmen coming in with yeah. the fish. We used to go fishing. You know, my father used to go hunting as well. So my mother, for, my, fa- my mother yeah. forages with wild herbs, wild mushrooms in season. Everything is still doing now. Mm-hmm. Everything is in season. I do as well. The other day I had a beautiful dandelion. I went round and uh, because as soon as the flower came out, a little bit late, but I had to. I had to collect this fantastic dandelion. Oh, I'm so envious of your knowledge, like it, because when you're in, in that incredible food culture, like you're obviously absorbing it, it's permeating you. You're knowing what's in season. You're knowing what you can eat, can't eat for foraging. Like it, it 
it becomes part of your essence. It is indeed. Now it's the season of St. George mushrooms. I already went round to find the St. George mushroom. Can't find that because it's been raining for nearly one and a half months mm. and it's been windy. The, you know, it's there, but as soon as I find some, I make some fresh tagliatelle, always fresh past. My hometown in Amalfi Coast, Minori, a lot. Other town as well, everyone make fresh pasta. Can you imagine a saute with simplicity, those beautiful mushrooms? Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, let's pause there for a moment and move on to chapter two. That's the first place that you fell in love with. Well, the first place where I fell in love with. It's so difficult because there's so many beautiful places. Mm. Uh, well, England is my home. Yeah, and it's been your home a long time. It's my home, you know, and uh, uh, when I came in the first time, I did fall in love with London. When you finally ca- well, when made I finally, it here. Yes, <laughs> when I found uh, the culture, the customs, you know, the, the English, the weather, you know, I was expecting when I came in England to find a lot of foggy place. You know, instead it was not foggy when I come. I still haven't seen foggy. <laughs> you know, I remember when I left, they said, yeah, but it's very coffee, uh, foggy. Make sure you cover yourself up properly and make sure you always have a torch. <laughs> Milan was like that, but nobody had a torch to look around. Yeah. Yes, England, because of when I first came, I wanted to come to England. London, Yeah. it was the place which, after a while, I felt the freedom to be independent and to work well. You just go around and you enjoy it. And London was the right place. Yeah. Well, chapter three is a place where you learn the most about yourself. I am a cook by mistake, but I'm so glad that was that mistake. My father, we had a shop with my mother and my father, my sister, which is a great cook. My granddad, 98 years old, he also cooks. And uh, my father, he was uh, a linen dealer. He deals in linen. Mm-hmm. In those days, uh, you know, if you have to have a suit, you have to buy the cloth, and then you have to go to the tailor. You yep. have to make it like everything for the house. So he had the customers all over the hills in the mountains, Tramonti, Positano, so-and-so. I used to travel along. Sometimes I used to go with him, my mother, inside the shop. At that morning, my father, I said, if I want to go with him, I said, yeah. But then when he told me, I believe, so what I hear, then I had to go up to the mountain, walking. And I really fancy. He said, okay, I'll stop to, to Motu Afonso. Afonso used to have a restaurant in Mayuri, next village. Uh-huh. And uh, went to Afonso, he said, can you all look after him? Because in the restaurant, there, there was his wife, so and so and so. And uh, I stand, stay there, but I look around, I loved so much what he was doing. And my father said to Afonso, pick him up this afternoon. Okay, so nothing to do, but I was love to see the chef. The chef was a good friend. And he did, my father picked me up uh, in the afternoon, but it was three years later. <laughs> this is what I call my children's slavery. No, I'm <laughs> I loved so much what I was doing. Yeah. And then uh, whenever I had an occasion to go inside the restaurant to have a look or to help, you know, the, the chef, so I was very pleased. 
and so this is where I learned many different things. So it, it gave you that real and life. gave me that yeah. real life. He used to go step by step with me, but I he didn't allow me to cook except the simple things. Don't right. forget, I was must be the age of ten. Mm -hmm. uh, so my job it was if you had a chicken, I had to run in a yard. A goodbye to the chicken. Really? <laughs> this is how it was before, wow. you know. So Everything you, was fresh. Yeah. I used to clean and so and then slowly, slowly I started to cook. So it's yeah. like kind of now when the chefs go and they're kind of doing like the washing up and things, they're working their way up, but you started when you were like ten years old. Yes, it is Just indeed. Straight in the kitchen, getting your hands dirty. Yeah, but also into... the washing up as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because everything was done in a family. Uh, yeah. And, you know, prepare, make sure. But that was very simple. You didn't need many person in the kitchen. Yeah. It was just the chef there in the kitchen. So, Gennaro, chapter four is your all-time favorite destination, the big one. Where are you going to pick? Well, place which I really loved it and I really enjoyed it is small towns on Puglia. Oh, I've always wanted to go to Puglia. Monte Gargano is where San Giovanni Rotondo is, where my Saint Padre Pio is there. And there is a little far from there. There is the Monte Sant'Angelo, Monte means mountains, which you have to go up and up and up. And then there is this very, very, very old monastery, which is in a cave. You have to go down... And the hand of this cave is Angel San Michele. And then it's there, you can see everything like a, a thousand years old. Mm. And then when you come out, there is a, quite a few shops, but there is also a small restaurant which a um, uh, wife and husband <laughs> cook. Uh, lovely food and the husband comes along and takes the holder and then he goes inside the kitchen and you can hear a argument. I loved it. <laughs> and the wife always come out and tell him off. <laughs> uh, that is a place which I, I really loved it and I really enjoyed it because Italy is so beautiful. Oh, and yeah. uh, anyway, in Italy, uh, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, so Puglia... Um there's the kind of coastal part and then the kind of more rural farming part. Is the place that you mentioned in the kind of heartland or is it out towards the coast? Bari is, uh, in Puglia, is the main town. Yeah. So where you can look at some lovely place, lovely, there are streets which everybody make pasta in the street. Oh, that's so It's bad. fresh pasta. They, and my God, that is so good. There's little children even making pasta. It's so fast. You can buy, but everything's so simple. It's just flour and water mix. And so quick, make those lovely orecchiette, you know, lovely fusilli, yeah. you know, also uh, many other different shape of pasta. Yeah. That is a place that then you just go outside and then you go to to Monte Gargano, which is so beautiful. Uh, oh, it's played there. Wonderful. But all on the way, the seas, the coast of the sea is beautiful. And the olive oil, there is a place like in a four everywhere in, uh, in Puglia. is olive oil, olive oil, olive oil, olive oil, olive oil, <laughs> and olive tree, olive tree, olive tree. But then, in many other parts of Italy, it's the same. Liguria 
is the sacral the same. A Tuscan is the sacral the same with those lovely strong flavor of herb. Uh, it's it's just a joy. So Monte Gargano is is very romantic. Was mm. my my uh, my mother used to take me there to see Padre Pio, which is, I'm very religious about that. I don't yeah. say because uh, it's a place which always... Uh, it has a spiritual... Like, a spi- yeah, the, the food, the scenery is unbelievable. Yeah, oh, it sounds absolutely incredible. It also sounds a bit like a hidden gem. So chapter five is your hidden gem. That's an amazing one. Are there any other places that you have fallen in love with that um you would recommend that maybe the average person like wouldn't know somewhere small somewhere undiscovered for most people sicily is always an adventure wherever you go yeah and then there is some small three small islands ipola panarea strawberry then salina oh salina oh my god it's so beautiful people it's so fantastic doesn't take very long. If you leave from Naples, you have a fantastic journey on a boat, which is about five hours, quite long. But if you in Sicily, you fly to to Palermo, and there it's not far. Yeah, it will you take, take a boat. A, as well. Take a boat also, yeah. I believe, from Taormina as well, which yeah. is not a beautiful place. Oh, uh, I love Taormina. Taormina. Yeah. Taormina is not a beautiful place as well. Yeah. And Mantahetna, Mantahetna is uh, near Catania, uh, the market in Catania, with those market, fish market. <gasps> oh, oh my God. Oh, lovely fish and everything is good. But what I like more, the history, people when they sell fish, uh, they sink, you know, that they used to do everywhere, the market, you know, it's a song, what a beautiful fish. Come along, come on, come on, come on. You know, that, that, uh, that is, that is mm. pretty. If I have to choose my place, which my, I want to keep them a secret, Salina is is the place. So, so tell me, when you arrive in Salina, what are you seeing? Like, what what does it look like? How does it feel? First, when you catch you catch the boat, it's already you can imagine the Mediterranean, all that beautiful blue sea, yeah, and lovely journey. And then I believe the first island you stop, Stroboli. Manto strawberry volcano still alive. A live volcano. You know the the the, the sand is got the dark colors mm-hmm. of the sand. The the water is blue, and then you can smell the freshness. You can smell the purity, but also you can smell little bits of to say, "Hey, I'm the volcanoes. <laughs> I'm strawberry. I'm here." And then the water is so calm. And then you again, people go down, and then again, you go to the next islands, Lipari, and then again, the same atmosphere, everybody, Lipari, it's an holiday feeling, doesn't matter what time of the year it is, come along, and all the welcome, you mm. go on the island, and oh, you lovely. see it, the beautiful hotel, and then again, you go the lovely, exciting, you already had an experience, you already is an holiday, between when you catch the boat to the, the, the island you wanted to go. And then again, you go another small island, very, very tiny one. It's Panarea, which is good, unbelievable. Everybody's nightlife there, but the food is incredible. And then you again, then slowly you're going to, to Salina, rich Salina. 
the mountains open up on, on Dure, and the small cart will take you wherever you have to go. They also say on seafront, where you have the best cassata, the best sorbet, the best and ice cream. Alfredo is incredible there. You know, he cooks and he makes everything fresh with all the flavor of the world of ice cream and the fish and the meat and surely the capers. Oh. You cannot leave it without the capes. In Salina, everyone collects wild capes. It's, it's amazing. Oh, it's, God, you're making me starving and desperate <laughs> to visit. Desperate to visit. And so is it a place, you go there, you have beautiful food, island island holiday, do you, do you lie on the beach? What, what? How would you spend your time when you're there? Well, you're so taken from all this beauty, you didn't know where to start. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, you go in a hotel, the hotel, the welcome is incredible. Uh, but then Do you again, have a favourite hotel there? Yes, I have a favourite hotel, it's called the Signum Hotel. Uh-huh. Clara, she's the owner, and uh, the, the chef uh, is a daughter, and then uh, the, the manager... Uh, a room manager or everything goes, a son, an husband working in a kitchen. Uh, it's just very, very nice. It's got the elegance, but not over. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a you can see the sea, and there's only a small village with a church. But when you, you see, it's, it's an holiday because you don't even have to go on a beach because everybody... First thing, you want to sit on a beach, which is fantastic in the summer. Yeah. You want to see. But there is so much to see. Yeah. You know, that there, there, there is a, okay, I'm going on a beach, perhaps early in the morning, and don't wait midday because the sun is too hot. And then you can go back in the hotel, you can have something to eat, or, you know, on the beach there is bar, there is mm-hmm. everything that you want. It's yeah. always festivity there. Yeah, and then let's explore it. You can hire a little baseball, or little little buggy which it takes you around. Yeah, uh, there is no lots of traffic, you know. Then you go over the mountains where uh, the famous, very famous film was made, Il Postino. Oh yeah. Yes, Il Postino was made there, and then it it, it is incredible. But look, the water, the blue of the water, the sky. The sun reflecting on top, the freshness, the shout of a people, which is no shout, the song of a people. You can hear the birds, you can hear the chicala <laughs> all days long. And you can lay under the tree if you really like it there, or you can just go inside in a small restaurant. They go the facility you want it. Oh, Janaris, sounds oh, incredible. God. And everything is there. They make everything there. So Beautiful. It sounds it is, incredible. It is nice. But in many other parts of Italy, are the same. There's yeah. so many uh, small islands in Italy. They've got quite a few. You know, I mean, I was in Progida. Then we go back to Naples also. There is another high gem, which were kind of high gem because people are discovered and everybody want to go there. But they do respect her for, mm. you know, small island that they, 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 they the people all know one each other, That's so and nice. they look after yeah. what we call them a patrimonio. It means that what do they have. Yeah.
Well, in contrast to that absolutely beautiful depiction, the penultimate chapter, chapter six, is your worst travel experience. My worst travel experience? I never had any worst travel experience. No, you've never I, had I, the only, the only worst which has happened, no, it's, it's, I don't have it. It just stays in the airport and cancel your flight. Yeah, yeah. I never had, oh, perhaps you're in a plane, the wrong seat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not comfortable. That's so nice that you haven't had any kind of shockers. No, no? I never, never had, wherever I travelled, uh, sit in an airport. And when you're ready to board, the cancel or perhaps you look at the board, you're delayed. Shall we call them a worst? No, it's all part of the holiday. Yeah. As long as you don't sleep in an airport like I did, slept in Lille when I was 16. <laughs> yeah. But that was an experience. Gennaro, it's been amazing traveling around Italy and the world with you. We're on to the final chapter, chapter seven. This is the destination that you've not yet been to that is at the top of your travel bucket list, the place you'd love to go. India. Ah, oh, yeah. The culture, the color, incredible. The people, diversity, the countryside, the town, the palace, the small house, the rice field, all that really costume with the color. Yes, India in place. And the food. Yeah, the food. And the food, so exciting. And the food is, is, I have quite a few chefs and friends which uh, in England and many parts of the world, they believe it's just a curry, something like that, or just a lamb curry. So let's say, you know, the regions, but the regions is like in Italy. It's not just the region. Each region's change house by house. You know, people by people are making different things. Yeah, but India is so vast, so big. So beautiful, and this is a place which I wanted to go. Oh, I hope that you get to make it there. Sometime I will, soon. I will, I will, I will, I will. Yes, India's a place which I love to go. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Gennaro Contaldo. Those were your travel diaries. What an absolute joy it was to speak to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, a holiday. <laughs> Oh, what a lovely man. That was Gennaro Contaldo. As you could maybe tell, we could have easily talked for at least another couple of hours, I think. And I am so happy to have learned about Selena in the Aeolian Islands. I did some Googling after we spoke and that has definitely made it onto my travel wish list. A true hidden gem. I really would love to visit there one day. Gennaro is an ambassador for Citalia, and his latest recipe book, Gennaro's Limoni, Vibrant Italian Recipes Celebrating the Lemon, is out now. Thanks so much for listening today. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe, or if you're using Apple Podcasts, to hit follow so that a new episode lands in your podcast app each week. If you're loving the podcast, it would be amazing if you could take a minute to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. To find out who's joining me on next week's episode, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. And if you can't wait till then, remember there's six seasons you can catch up on. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone, and I'll be back next week.
Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 